Acts chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, I got one verse to read for you today to chart our course for where we're headed. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear. Someone shout fear. Someone shout fear. Going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it continued to increase. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you that your word is a solid foundation that we can stand upon, that we can build our lives upon. Hallelujah. We thank you for it today. What an amazing miracle it is to have the word of God right here in our hearts and right in front of us to read and to glean from we thank you for that today and i pray we'd open our hearts to your word father i pray i would decrease so that your spirit would increase so that it's your anointing that goes forth this morning god so that every heart is touched by your word that every mind is transformed by your word i pray that today And Father, we bind anything that the enemy has tried to set up against us in this place. Any offense, anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and who he is, we bind it right now and we lose your revelatory spirit in the house. Hallelujah. We release the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this place, God. In Jesus' mighty name. We love you, Lord. We bless you because you are worthy because you're holy. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, high five, five people. Tell them this. Say, fear him. Tell them. Say, fear him. Fear him. Come on, fear him. Morning, church. Good morning, church. Come on, if you know God is good, someone shout, God is good. Come on, man. Let's remind ourselves of that as often as it, as it needs to be reminded. Amen. I got to do it pretty much daily just to write it on the tablets of my heart. No, but it's good to, to see all of you here this morning. Now, let me just start off and state the obvious. The stage is different. Come on, somebody. Just in case you couldn't know or didn't realize or recognize, the stage is completely different. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret Behind the the scenes, we were actually taking bets on how many people would get offended by the stage. (laughs) And we have an over-under going, right? And and the line is four. And I'll tell you, every one of us took the four and over. So I hope we're all wrong and, and nobody gets offended by it because really, really you shouldn't. But sometimes, man, the enemy uses things to strike up offense in our hearts and and, and let me just say this, man, the stage has nothing to do with Halloween. Absolutely nothing. It has nothing to do with it. It doesn't represent Halloween. It's not celebrating Halloween. It has nothing to do with Halloween whatsoever. God gave me this series over six months ago. And two weeks ago, God said, I want you to start the series. Start the series titled Fear. That's the sermon series, Fear. And listen, I'll be honest, I didn't even realize it was going to be Halloween. I had no clue until Jonathan told me. Just, just literally last week, he's like, hey, man, do you understand, Pastor, that's going to land on Halloween? I said, cool. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go, let's go for it. Um, yeah, so I always find God's timing incredible and impeccable. And, and so, man, yeah, we're going we're gonna to roll with it. Listen, what the stage represents, I'll just tell you, it represents the way most of us view fear right? Because a lot of us, right, we think, when we think of fear, we think of, we think of darkness. We, we think of negativity. When we think of fear, we think of scary, scary things, right? When we, we think of fear. And so we did a, a scary looking stage because typically what we associate with fear are those types of things, things like anxiety and worry and nightmare and depression and panic attacks in the demonic, right, in, in, in a haunted forest or some scary trees with crows on them, whatever. 
This is how a lot of us associate, what we associate with, with fear. But, but, but listen to me, today I really feel like the Lord wants to shift our perspective when it comes to fear. I believe that God is wanting us to realize that fear doesn't have to represent darkness. That, that fear doesn't have to represent the things of the enemy, that it doesn't. God wants to shift our paradigm of fear. And, you know, one of the things that I've realized over these past several years of, of preaching, you know, every week and multiple times in a week is, is this. A lot of people remember messages based off of images. They really do. So if we can make a graphic design or a stage design, design that, that connects with you in, in, in a sort of way, however way that, that happens... I find that a lot of people remember then something from that sermon series. I have people come up to me all the time. Yeah, I remember this, this series based off of the graphic and the stage that you did. And so, man, that's, that's, our, that's our intent with it, right? We learn because we're visual people. We learn and retain better visually when, when we have a visual connection to something. Because, man, I'm telling you, I, I want you to remember what we're about to talk about in this series, especially in this series, because this series will literally change our lives. It will transform us if we allow God to speak to us through it. So let me encourage you over these next four weeks, because this is how long the series is, four weeks. We're going to talk about fear. Invite people with you to church, because it's going to, it's going to transform people, I promise you. And I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years or two minutes, this is going to change your life, I believe it. And so I'm really excited to preach it. And so listen, don't, don't allow the enemy to, to offend you by any of it. Especially don't be offended by, by the stage design, please, in Jesus' name. Like, instead, allow the visual to burn this word in your heart and in your mind so that you never forget. Because cause listen to me, man, fear can go from being your greatest adversary to your greatest ally. I'm telling you, fear can go from being your greatest adversary to your greatest ally. And I can tell some of you look at me like I'm, I'm crazy. So you're like Pastor Keith lost it. He ain't figured it out. The stage messed his head all up. No, no, but for real, we're going we're gonna to see because, man, what the Lord showed me in Scripture blew me away. So I'm going to need you to trust me, open your ears and your hearts to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Come on, look at your neighbor, say, fear him. Fear him. Now, look, I've said this to you before, right? Just a little bit ago. I said, man, the Lord birthed this word in my heart six months ago. And how God did this was I was having a conversation with, with God, right? I was being very vulnerable before the Lord, which by the way, that is key that is essential to you hearing the voice of God, being vulnerable before God. It is key. I don't care how wise you are, how long you've been saved. If you won't be vulnerable before God, you won't hear the voice of God. People come in and say, man, I'm pastor. I'm having a hard time hearing the voice of God. Well, how vulnerable are you being before God? Because God never sends anyone away empty unless they come full of themselves. Like they got it all together. Like they figured it all out. So, so you got to be vulnerable if you want to hear the voice of God. But anyway, I was being very vulnerable before the Lord and and I was asking him, I was saying, God, now, now why would I do the things that I did before I gave my life to you? Like, why would I do all the drugs that I did? Why, why in the world did I, did I do something that was actively trying to kill me and to steal, kill, and destroy every good thing that God had for me? Like, God, why, why would I end up being addicted to heroin and doing all these things to the people that I loved? I, I, I was just, why, why, why would I do that, Lord? And the Lord said to me very simply, he said, because you didn't fear anything. You had no fear. And, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense to me. I was like, yeah, I don't remember fearing a whole lot, you know, in that lifestyle. I really didn't. And, and so I was like, all right, cool. I, I guess that makes sense. I'm upset that I didn't fear anything because of where it took me. But, but then I started to press God even further. I said, God, then why in the world has there been times in my life even now that I find myself in sin. What, why would I do things? Why would I say things? Why would I even watch something that has the ability to pull me away from you even a little bit? That would cause me to have to repent to return back to you. Father, why would I do 
Why would I do those things? I mean, I've given my life to you. I've surrendered my heart to you. I've, I want to do whatever it is you want me to do, but yet I find myself in these times where I feel far away from you because of the choices I've made. Why in the world did I do that? And God said to me very clearly, he said, because you don't fear me. And I got to admit, man, it hit me so hard. And I mean, in the deepest parts of my gut, I hit the ground before God and began bawling, saying, Father, forgive me. And then I shifted to, Father, forgive me. Now I'm forgiven. But now Father calls a fear to rise up within me. Put a reverent fear. Grip me with your fear, God. And this has been a continued prayer, a continued prayer. Ever since God spoke that to me. After he spoke it to me, I began to to study the word of God and what it says about fear. And what I found was, was actually remarkable. It blew my mind that over 300 times in the scriptures, the scripture says to fear God. It says to fear the Lord. It says to fear the word of God. There's a Over 300 times there's a variation of God saying, fear me. You want to follow me? Fear me. And it blew my mind. Because listen to me, if God decides to mention something over 300 times in his word, we better pay attention to it. We better receive it. We better ask him to reveal it and cause us to walk according to it because it's important if he's going to mention it that many times. But here's the thing that I've found about fear. The enemy has manipulated fear really, really well. See, what what you've got to understand is the enemy is the master counterfeiter. He counterfeits everything God creates. Everything. I mean, he has a counterfeit for love, which is lust. He has a counterfeit for pleasure, which is perversion. And I could go on and on and on and rattle off the list, right? But, but he is a master counterfeiter because he isn't a creator. He cannot create, so he has to counterfeit. And listen to me, Satan has always wanted to be like God. He's the biggest wannabe the world has ever seen. He said in his own heart, let me become like God. What'd God do? He said, nah, it's not going to happen. I'll take a third of your angels and you and toss you right out of the kingdom. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. I was, I was there. I saw Satan fall like a bolt of lightning from heaven. I seen it. See, Satan's always wanted to be like God, but he's no match for God. He's no competition for God. He's not even on the same plane as God, not even worthy to actually mention in the same breath as God because God is so amazing and great and powerful and mighty and, and holy, but But this is what Satan's always tried to do. He wants to counterfeit everything God creates. And so fear is no different. And he has to counterfeit it so that he can manipulate it. So he can use it to control us with it. And this is why we have such a negative connotation of fear, right? When we think of fear, these are the things that we start thinking about. Chaos and that's what all the squiggly lines are for and all the mayhem that comes with fear and what it's doing on the inside of us. And I will guarantee you this, that over these past 24 months, all of us have had some kind of fear rise up within us. And I don't care how big and saved you are or how bad of a dude you are or a woman you are. There's been times in your life when fear has tried to come on you. It just has. we've, We've all feared up something, whether that is we fear losing our lives to a virus or we fear losing a loved one to a virus or we fear losing a job because of a virus or we fear a a shutdown because of the virus or we fear another shutdown because of the virus or we fear that, that our schools aren't going to do the right things for our kids. We've had fear try to try to come upon us, fear that others might say things about us or fear what others might do about us. There's been this constant fear these last 24 months, fear of what the government might do next, right? Some people have been completely crippled by fear, completely crippled by it. Won't leave their house because of it, won't go to church because of it, won't even go to the grocery store 
because of it. They won't even live a normal life now because they are crippled by fear. Fear has a crippling effect on humanity. It just does. And see, the enemy knows this, and so he tries to control us with it. He tries to manipulate us with it. And see, that's why when the government starts to try to control us with something, and we see it's the enemy's calling card, we got to buck and not bow. Because I see what you're doing. That's not godly. You're not going to do that to me or my family. It's not happening here. You can do it over there if you would like. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But this is, this is what's happening, man. Fear is everywhere right now. And some of us, man, we're like, yeah, yeah, I understand fear, man. It wakes me up in the morning and it tucks me in at bed at night. I know all about the fear that you're talking about. And so maybe you're even wondering to yourself, well then, okay, pastor, then if I gotta fear all that out there, and there's so much I can fear out there, then why in the world are we coming in here and talking about the fear of God right now? You wanna talk about fear in here? Yep, I sure do. I sure do. Because what I'm wondering is this, could it be because we're not fearing the one that is up, up there. We're feeling, fearing everything down here. I wonder. I wonder, could it, could it be because we, we don't fear God, the enemy can use fear against us? Could it be because we, we don't fear the Lord, we, we fear the world that we're living in? Because hear me, hear me, the enemy can only manipulate what you don't have a revelation of. That's actually really good. He can only manipulate what you do not have a revelation of. Let me, let me try to explain it to you this way. See, before I knew Jesus was the savior of the world, the enemy could manipulate me into thinking I didn't need a savior at all. You're, you're, you're fine, see? But once I had a revelation, he was done. It was over. He was disarmed, completely disarmed. See, an atheist believed that there is no God. Why? Because the enemy has manipulated them and blinded them to thinking there is no God. This is why Paul says it this way. He says, yeah, the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. But to, the, but to those of us who are being saved by it, it's the very power of God. Those who've had a revelation of who Jesus is. You can't convince them that Jesus isn't real. I promise you that. You can try me if you would like to. It will not happen. I've had doctors and physicists and all these other people try to convince me God isn't real. But I know him. He's as real to me as you are sitting in front of me. So the enemy can only manipulate what we don't have a revelation of. So can it be that he's manipulating us with fear because we haven't have a, have, a, have a revelation of the fear of God. And here's the thing about the fear of God. It's a necessity to follow him. It's a necessity to follow him. We have to fear him if we desire to follow him and follow him well. There has to be a fear that comes on us. Now, I'm sure there'll be people that's maybe even here right now or watching online or who will watch this on Thursday on Facebook or YouTube, and they'll begin to, to try to come against it and say, yeah, 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 but 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Very true. That's so good. I, I read it all the time. I remind myself of it all the time. But Paul is not talking about the fear of God. He's talking about the fear of man. He literally is writing this to Timothy, and he's saying, listen, do not fear what the world can do to you. Do not fear what others are saying about you. Do not fear what they might be able to do to you. Don't fear the government and don't fear being thrown in prison like I am. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind, which is such a great word for us, especially for the time we find ourselves in right now. But that's not Paul talking about the fear of God. He's talking about the fear of man. Throughout scripture, over 300 times, God says, fear me, fear me. Matter of fact, Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, Luke chapter 12, Jesus says it this way in Luke 12. 
He says, now I say to you, my friends, those of you who have given your life to me, those of you who say you've decided to follow me, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do to you. In other words, they can't kill you twice. You're dead, you're dead. Nothing you can do. So that's literally what he's saying. He says, but I will warn you whom to fear. He says, fear the one who after he has killed someone has the power to throw that someone into hell. I tell you, fear him. Fear him. Telling us this, have a deathly fear of God. Not a shaky fear, not a wishy-washy fear, but understand, man, I got a fear. I have a reverent fear of the God I serve, of the God who created me. Now, obviously, right, we would much rather talk about the love of God, right? I'd much rather preach it, to be honest with you. Preach is better, get you guys clapping for me and all kinds of stuff, right? Add a boy, good job, you know what I mean? Like, much rather preach about the kindness of God and the favor of God. We'd much rather hear about the favor of God than the fear of God. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, we love that rubber band preaching. That's what I call it. Like, like where we, we shoot things at God, but it bounces off of him and sticks to us. Like, we love that. Like, yeah, yeah, God, you're glorious. Bing, put it back on us. Like, yeah, you're powerful. Bing, comes back on us. We love the messages preached that's all about us. Man, t- tell me how much God loves me. Tell me how much God is for me. Tell me, tell me how much God wants to bless me. Tell me. Like I said last week, what we've done in the church is we've made the church about us instead of about God. Church was never designed to be about us. It was always designed to be about him, period. And that's what the Lord's doing through this series, man. We're gonna, we're gonna make it about him. And God says, fear me above all. Fear me above everything. We're gonna look at some scripture this morning about what the word of God says when it comes to fearing God. And we'll start in Proverbs chapter one. We'll have it on the screens for you. But Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, when we have a revelation of something or someone, we have an understanding of that something or someone. And when we have the understanding of the something or someone, then no one can manipulate us. We can't be manipulated by anyone. And this is what King Solomon is saying. And he says this, fear God. Make sure you fear God in every area of your life because then that's the beginning of wisdom. And if you have wisdom, you can't be manipulated by the enemy. And did you know wisdom and intellect are two different things? They're drastically different. I'm telling you, I've met some of the smartest dumb people in my life. I'm telling you. Like, I'm like, what? What? You're so smart. Why are you so stupid? Then I'm just, what's your problem? There's people that got seven degrees, right? But still don't believe God's real. They're smart, but they ain't wise. Those people who can manage their business and grow a business, but they can't manage their family. They're smart. They ain't wise. Or that woman who has all these initials after her name because of all the accolades that she has. But then she dates a bunch of men who are worthless. And you're like, honey, what is your problem? You're so smart. Why are you being so stupid when it comes to men? Right? Like, and intellectuals are not, same, not the same as being wise. Wisdom's not the same. Being an intellectual doesn't even mean that you will have wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 10, 27 says it this way, the fear of the Lord will prolong your life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Proverbs 14, verse 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound dark to me. Fear prolongs life. We think fear equals death. God says fear equals 
life. So not only will God make us wise beyond our years if we fear him, but then he will extend our years if we fear him. Proverbs 14 verse 26 says this, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. That's really good. That's really good. I'm going to read it again. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children, the one who fears God, and his children will have refuge. So that, that, I'll tell you what, what he's saying here, Solomon. He's saying this. Parents, you better walk in the fear of God. Because if you don't, if you don't be warned, a generational curse may come upon your children. That's literally what he's saying. By us not walking in the fear of God, parents, we are giving ammunition to the enemy against our kids. That's what he's warning us about. This is why we must fear God. Because if we don't, this is how alcoholism runs in a family. This is how drug addiction can be passed down in a family. This is how cheating and lying and womanizing and jumping from man to man, husband to husband, wife to wife, woman to woman can be passed down in a family because the parents didn't fear God. That's exactly what it's saying. But those who fear God, his children will have refuge. Not fearing God allows the enemy to wreak havoc on our lives. Men and women, listen to me. Our kids depend upon it. They depend upon us figuring this thing out and walking in the fear of the Lord every single day and then teaching our kids how to fear God and fear him well. I've had literally Christians tell me that's been serving God a long time. I've never taught my kids to, to fear God. What? Do you not know what the Bible says? I've taught him all about the love of God. Good, but hear me. You won't fully understand the love of God if you don't fully understand the fear of God. Understand the power of who he is. Proverbs 14, 28 says this, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have refuge. This is how important, church. This is how important. Psalms chapter two, verse 11 says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Have your joy be found in the fact that you fear God. That's literally what he's saying. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Psalms 25, 14 says, the secrets of the Lord is for those who fear him. Ooh, that's really good. Man, I loved that when I read that. That got me all excited. The secrets of the Lord are for those who fear him. See, we all know that we can confide in God. We feel good that we can confide in God, right? We can tell him anything at any time. We can repent of all of our sin and he is, he is faithful and just to forgive us. We love it. He sticks closer to a brother. He's our closest friend. He's our greatest comforter. He's our, our great physician. And we love that we can confide in him and we should because it's amazing to have God as a best friend. But you know what blows my mind here is King David is saying, not only can we confide in God, but God desires to confide in you. Ooh, think about that. He's the omniscient one, knows everything and is everywhere. He wants to reveal the secrets of the gospel to you, reveal and unravel the mysteries of the word of God to those who fear him. He'll release it from heaven. It's amazing. It's amazing. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You guys with me? Everybody with me? You're just listening to me? Hear a, hear a pin drop in here. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. King Solomon. Yeah, and at the very end of his life, he's old. He's lived a long life. And he says this. He says, the conclusion. That's how he starts the sentence. The conclusion, in other words, after I've lived all this life, after I've bought everything I could buy, after I've built everything I could build, after I had every relationship under the sun, after I've done it all, I've done it all. No one's wiser than me. No one's richer than me. No one, man, I'm, I'm the guy. This is the conclusion. 
when everything's been heard, fear God. Fear God. The conclusion, when everything has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. <laughs> I love that. The, con- the conclusion is fear God so that you keep his commandments. That's what he's saying. That's literally what he's saying. And he goes on into verse 14, the very last verse of Ecclesiastes of the book. And he tells us why. Why fear God? So that you keep his commandments because you'll be judged accordingly. That's why. That's why. You know, I think one of the reasons the church has lost the fear of God is because we've gotten way too comfortable with God. We've gotten way too comfortable with him. See, see what happened is this. You go do some church history, study a little bit about the church. What we've seen was prior to our generation and a few generations before us, the church made God completely unapproachable. Like, like you, you couldn't approach God at all. Because God was just waiting for you to mess up. And the moment you messed up, man, he reached out with a mighty right hand and he smite thee, right? Like he was coming with an iron rod to crush you. As soon as you messed up, man, he's looking from heaven to pounce on everybody who screws up, which is just not true. That's not not our heart of God. Actually, the heart of God is he's looking down from heaven saying, man, I desire to pull my grace out on him. Man, man, I want to reveal incredible things to them. I want to give them everything their heart desires. But but first, I got to make sure they're not going to screw it all up. That's his desire to pour his grace. He proved it on the cross at Calvary, by the way. But because that's how the church used to be, the church swung the pendulum clear over here. So it went from turn or burn, because that was the message they preached back then. Turn or burn. I mean, then they swung it clear over here and said, ah, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's cool. God's cool. We're in the era of grace. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Just live however. Once saved, always saved. You can never lose it. Just do whatever you want to do. Because you one time said a prayer in a service one time. Now it's all good. And I tell you, man, it's been really detrimental to the church. Matter of fact, I can make a really good argument that what the church has become is worse than what the church was. That the turn or burn message is probably better than the message that's being preached in most churches. Like it doesn't matter what you do. Live however you want. Because it's just not true. So see, the church, God, what he's doing, he's swinging the pendulum back to the word of God. That's what he's doing. And the word of God says fear the living God. Because if we get too comfortable with God, we will no longer fear God. We will not. It's just the reality. I want you to think about someone when you first meet them and have them over to your house. So think about this. It's the first time they're at your house. What do they do? They come up and they ring the doorbell and they wait real patiently until you get there. They might even brought you a gift. Right, like a housewarming thing. Like, oh, thanks for having me. Then they wait, and as soon as they walk in, they kick their shoes off all nice and polite, and they put them over there nice and neat. And then they wait for you to ask them, hey, would you like something to drink? Yeah, please, whatever, whatever you got is fine. Right, like, let them get comfortable in your house. Doorbell, that's too much work. I'm just gonna walk right in their house. I don't care if it's raining, my shoes are muddy, don't matter, I'll walk right in their house. Hey, man, I got mud on your floors, just wipe it up, take the Swiffer. You know what I mean? You got the Swiffer, it's cool. And they walk straight to your refrigerator, slang it open, both doors, like, what's in here? Reach in and grab your lunch meat with their bare hands, start pulling it out and eating it. And all of a sudden, you got to then, you got to reestablish boundaries really quickly, like, hey. This is what happens when we get so comfortable with God. We do the same type of thing. Take advantage of him. Take him for granted. See, we can't afford to be comfortable with God because then we'll lose our fear of God. Because, hear me, listen, the fear of God is uncomfortable. The fear of God will will change you. The fear of God will challenge you. The fear of God will completely transform you. See, the fear of God will cause you to talk to people differently than you've ever talked to them before. The fear of God will cause you to respond to people differently, even on social media. Like you'll be wanting to send something back arguing, but you, okay, the Lord, fear of God is on me. I won't say it. Might speak in tongues a little bit, but I'm not going to say nothing to them. You know what I mean? Like, the fear of God, man, will cause you to post differently on social media. Causes you to watch things differently on television. It just is. 
See, the truth is, if we are comfortable with God, we will lose our fear of God, period. Because fear makes us act differently. It makes us cautious. It makes us acutely aware of our surroundings and what is happening when there's fear present. You know, one time I heard a preacher use the fear of God and he likened it to the zoo. It was actually really, really good. But as he was explaining his analogy, I started thinking about something else. I started thinking about how the Bible calls Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah, that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then I started thinking about how the zoo has lions, right? And how when we go to the zoo, we don't go to the zoo fearful of the lions. No, 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 not at all. We, we, we don't proceed with caution in the zoo at all. We take our little kids with us. We skip to Malou, skip to Lou, my darling. We grab, you know what I mean? We grab ice cream cones and snow cones and popcorn because we're there for the show. You know what I mean? We're going and we're taking selfies with the, with the lions. We don't fear the zoo at all or the lions at the zoo or any other animal for that matter. Why? Because the zoo is created for us. It's completely catered to us. It's trying to get our money. It wants us there. So it can't have us scared. Right? But boy, you put us out on a safari. See how quick we change our attitude then. See how quick. Because the safari was created for the lion. It's his territory, not ours. And oh, I'll bet you we act different then. I'll bet you. If the lions weren't caged, we would definitely, we'd definitely talk differently. I promise you that. Matter of fact, we'd probably be whispering or, or we'd make up some brand new sign language to not talk at all because that lion's right there and I can see him looking at me. We'd tiptoe through there instead of walking and skipping through there. We would act completely different. If we seen a lion in the wild, fear would be present all around us. And I bet you if we seen that, that lion out in the, in the wild, no bars around him, I bet you we'd be acutely aware of our surroundings. We'd know where every tree was, how far it was. We'd be calculating wind speed. Like I'm telling you, you would know real quick because fear would be all, all over you. Fear makes us aware of where we are and what we're doing. See, the zoo has taken fear completely away because they've made it all about us. And isn't that what the church has done? We've, we've made the church all about us. All about us. And the only way to make church all about us is to cage the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's the only way to do it. You can't make it all about me and still have it all about him. Because when Jesus shows up, he takes over. He's not here to partner with me or you. No, no, he's coming to take over us. That's what he does. So we've got to cage the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so we tell him, uh, you know what, Lord? We'll give you three songs. It's cool. We'll preach a 40-minute message. We can't go over that because, I mean, that's just too long. I mean, we got football after. We got cookouts after. Hey, if I can fit church in in my schedule, God, then I'll fit it in. But if I don't, oh, well. That's it. It's cool. God's cool. It's no big deal. We've literally caged him. And we've told him how he can act around us, causing us to lose our fear of who he is. Causing us to lose our fear. So what do we do to fear him? What happens when all of a sudden a reverent fear of God comes upon us? Man, we would approach him differently. We would make sure the things that we did glorified him. I think that we would be acutely aware of our surroundings. I bet you if we, if we feared him, when we walk in the doors on Sundays, man, we would approach him differently. I bet you we would worship different. I bet you we'd be ready for the word of God different because the lion of the tribe of Judah is here. He's here and he's holy and he's powerful and he's worthy. I bet you we would approach him differently. See, we've got to get back to the fear back to the fear of God and stop becoming so comfortable with him and so dismissive of who he is. Exodus 20, 20. 
Exodus 2020. In a few moments, we'll jump back to Acts chapter 9 and we'll close. You all with me? You guys with me? This is what it says in Exodus 2020. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. For God has come in order to test you. And in order that the fear of him may remain with you. So that you will not sin. So, so Moses says, don't be afraid, but fear. What? Like, like, don't be afraid, but fear. You, you know, I, I used to say this. I had a saying that I, I said all the time, right? Because the Bible says this. The Bible says that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And, and years ago, the Lord gave me a saying, and, and I used to say it all the time up here. It's been a while since I've said it, so you guys might not have heard it, but, but I used to say this. Yeah, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, but it's the fear of God that will, have, that will keep you from having to repent. I never knew that it was in the Bible, to be honest with you. I just knew God spoke it to me. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll use it because God just said it, so I'll use it. I should have known that was in his word because if he speaks to you, you can find it and line it up with his word. But anyway, but I didn't know it was in the word of God so clearly the way it is here in Exodus 20, 20, because that's what he's saying, that if we fear God, we will not sin against God. When we fear him, the fear of who he is will cause us to live with an acute awareness of what we're doing and where we're headed in life. That's what fear will do. We'll be aware of how we're treating our wives, how we're treating our husbands, how we're treating our children, how we're treating our, our coworkers and our employees, how we're treating our neighbors. We'll be acutely aware. I mean acutely aware of it if we feared him. But since we're not, we just, we just say whatever we feel like saying, whatever we feel like saying it, do whatever we feel like doing. And I love this though. I love Moses, right? He's, he's funny because he literally says, don't be afraid, but fear. Don't be afraid, but fear. It's like, which one is it? Because I'm having a hard time, Moses, right? Like you just said, don't be afraid. Now you turn around and say, fear. So, so which one am I to do? Am I supposed to be afraid or not fear? What, what am I supposed to do here? Moses said, it's funny because he's saying, do both. Do both. Don't be afraid, but fear. And let me tell you what that tells us. It tells us that there's two types of fears. There's two types. There is a fear that cripples you. Then there's a fear that will free you. There is a fear that will bind you, but then there's a fear that will liberate you. There, there is a fear that will curse you, but then there is a fear that will bless you. You know, there's a, there's a fear designed to, to steal from you. The enemy has designed it to steal from you, to steal your joy, to steal your peace, to steal your provision. That's why he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. That, that, that's his fear, but then there's a, a fear designed to add to you, to multiply to you, to multiply your joy, to multiply your peace, to multiply your provision. And that's what the fear of God will do for us. The fear of God has a multiplication effect on our lives. Look at Acts chapter 9. It's, this is literally what it says. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It says, so the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up and as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it kept increasing. Now, what we have to understand very clearly here is that the church was being intensively persecuted. I'm, I'm talking, they're getting beat down, Jack. They're getting completely all their stuff taken away from. Matter of fact, the chapter before, Stephen gets murdered, gets stoned to death for being a part of the church. At this point in time in the story, you got Peter and John that's been arrested and beaten multiple times before Acts chapter 9 even arrives. But yet it says that they enjoyed peace and it was increasing to them. Man, that, that's, that's wild to me. It wasn't like they felt good. It wasn't like they were comfortable. They were super uncomfortable. It wasn't like everything was going well around them. But the Bible says they enjoyed peace and it was increasing to their life. See, I think a lot of times our perspective of peace and God's perspective of peace is completely different. 
It's completely different. And this reveals to us God's perspective of peace. He says it comes from fearing me. Completely opposite of the way we would describe peace. See, we would describe peace as the absence of fear. God describes it as the presence of fear. Think about that. Peace. God says peace comes from knowing that we're following him and following him well. Peace comes from knowing that there's no unrepented sin in our lives, but we've already brought it to the throne room of grace and laid it down before him. It says, in other words, if we fear him, it doesn't matter what's happening around us. It doesn't matter if our lives are being threatened. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if our jobs are being threatened. It just doesn't matter because I fear him. So I, I, I can't fear those things. I got no more room to fear it. I cannot. Because the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It will be increased to us. The peace of God is directly linked to the fear of God. And if we continue to walk in the fear of God, he'll continue to increase the peace of God in our lives. That's what that's saying. See, the fear of God will cause the Lord to pour out an increase of who he is in our lives. It will cause him to increase his favor to us. It will cause him to increase his grace upon us. It will cause him to increase his peace, in increase his blessings. That's what the fear of God brings to our life. And this is what Acts chapter 9 is, is saying. He's saying his abundance will be on those who fear him and they will enjoy an increase in their life. You know, the psalmist writes in Psalms chapter 25, verse 12, this, if anyone fears the Lord, he shall be shown the path that he should choose. He shall enjoy lasting prosperity, increasing prosperity, and his children shall inherit the land. Psalms 115, verse 13 says, God will bless those who fear him, small and great small and great. And then the psalmist writes in Psalms 128 verse one, why? Why will God bring an increase to those who fear him? Blessed are all who fear him, who walk in the obedience of the Lord. See, the fear of God will cause us to obey God. It causes us to obey God. And when we obey God, then God knows he can trust us with his secrets, with his provision, and with his increase. He can trust us with everything that is his. And did you know the Bible says that the earth is his and the fullness thereof, it's all his. He says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, guess what? He owns all the gold underneath them hills as well. All the oil, whatever else is under there, it's all his. Mineral rights, it's God's. See, the disciples had a revelation of the fear of God. That's why they enjoyed the peace of God even during the most tough times, tumultuous times. They were good. They were unshakable. They knew that there was something greater before them. So they feared. They feared him. Think about real quick the apostle Paul's life. This man, what they did to him. And he still was like, eh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He feared absolutely no man, only God. And so there was no fear to bind him in his life. We've got to have a, a, a paradigm shift when it comes to fear. Stop associating fear with darkness and start associating fear with blessing. We've got to have God shift this for us. See, we need to fight with everything that is within us to continue to walk in the fear of God so that the enemy cannot manipulate the fear against us and use it against us. If we fear God, we will fight against the fear of the enemy. We just will. Church, listen to me. Two types of fear. Fear that will cripple you or fear, or fear that will will free you. Which one will you choose to walk in? Which one? A lot of us, we've walked so long in fear that we're just used to it. We're used to the fear of the enemy. We've learned to deal with it and walk through life with it. But, but hear me, man, there's something greater before us. And it's the fear of God can overtake us. And man, calls us to go after him like never, ever before. Come on and stand to your feet, please. The fear of God will free you from sin. 
The fear of God will free you from bondage. The fear of God will free you from anxiety. The fear of God will free you from depression. The fear of God will free you from suicidal thoughts. The fear of God will free you from the shame in your life. The fear of God will will free you from insecurities and shortcomings. This is what the fear of God will do for you. If you allow him to reveal it to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray right now. By the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. That Lord, you would begin to reveal to our hearts. To place upon our hearts this this fear of who you are, God. That we would have a healthy fear. God, not an eggshell fear like you're trying to, you're looking for reasons and opportunities to, to punish us. No, 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 no. But a reverent fear of who you are. And that fear causes me to be acutely aware of what's happening around me and where I'm headed to. Father, touch your people. Pour an increase out of your fear upon all of us right now. So reveal it to our hearts, God. This has not been a message preached. I've never heard one preached on it, Father. So Lord, I pray that you'd reveal it to our hearts. Strengthen us with it. I pray you would bind the enemy in offense. Bind it, Lord. And loose your perfect peace that comes with fearing you. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people this week. God, guard their hearts, guard their minds. I pray you protect this word that is like a seed planted on their hearts today. Protect them, Lord, I pray. Lord, I speak health over each and every person within the sound of my voice, Father. Health, health, health. Protection over our children, Jesus. We thank you for them. What a blessing they are to us. Protect them. Let them find refuge in you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you love us. Be with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.